Have a seat. Have a seat. Good morning, church. Uh, shoes, but uh, everything else looks good. Oh my goodness! How's everybody doing today? Everybody, all right? God bless you guys. It's so good to see you. It's so good. Um, it's so good to feel worship. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one thing to praise. It's another thing to raise your hands. But you you can actually feel the Holy Spirit in this place it's that's something special guys you know and growing up in church sometimes you see that and unfortunately sometimes you don't and i'm so glad that we are a part of a congregation that longs to be bold for jesus you know that longs to 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 show uh the world that you are not ashamed and you're going to shout it and you're going to get excited and you're going to rejoice because god is good and he proves it over and over again god is amazing am i right Absolutely, absolutely. If this is your first time here at Christian Faith Fellowship, I'd like to welcome you. Seriously, guys, you guys have come to a good church. If I could describe this church in one word, it'd be the word genuine. Because that's what you guys are. You guys are who you are, how you are, and yet you come here to show the world and to show uh, each other, hey, I messed up, but I'm going to try my best to rely on Jesus because I know that he is why I'm here and I know that he makes my life better. Amen? Amen. 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 I mean, I, I can't get over that sometimes. How God is amazing. I mean, he's, he's, he's amazing. I mean, you just, you look at the skies and the trees and the oceans and everything that, 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 that we see, uh, everything that we don't see is, I'm pretty I'm sure, much more amazing than everything we do see. But everything we see, um, just shows how beautiful and how amazing God is. I mean, he's amazing. I mean, do you know, how I know that God is amazing outside of beauty, outside of nature and all of these things because I look at my life and where I've been and all that I've gone through and all that I still go through and yet through all of my trials and hangups, he still loves me. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, I am such a sinful, fallible, messed up person yet he still chooses to love me every single day. You know, uh, day after day, circumstance after circumstance, you know, he sees me when I fall, and, and, and he picks me up and dusts me off, and he loves me. Amen. And it's the same with everyone sitting here today. And I see this, and I know this, and I feel this, but sometimes, I don't care if I'm a pastor or not, whatever, sometimes I, 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 don't, I don't respond with the same grace and compassion. You know, I mean, it's easy for me to, I mean, it's not easy for me to admit these things to you, but if I am called by God to stand out and be the Christ-like example who is guided by the Spirit in everything, not just Sunday mornings, but everything, then I have a job that I cannot slack off on. If you are called out of his darkness to his wondrous light, if you belong to Jesus, if you are genuine in your relationship with Jesus and wanting to know him, we cannot slack off. We, can, we have to, one, recognize daily how sinful we are, and two, recognize the need to know Jesus, not just accept him for what he's done for us, which is everything, but also to know him daily. We were created to know our creator. And, 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 and the awareness of who I am and who I need to be uh, needs to be a consistent reminder in, in my daily life and practices, daily practices. You know, I mean, it's... I'm sorry to say this, but it's so easy to forget that we represent God here on earth. That we represent the living embodiment of Jesus here on earth. And that's hard. But it's what we're called to do. 
We're not just called to sit by and, and come to church Sunday after Sunday. And look, I grew up in church, okay? If anybody knows how to play church, it's going to be me, you know? I know I grew up in church. I knew what to say, how to say it, how to preach, how to look like I'm praising when I'm really thinking about the girl's number in the seat behind me. I know about all of these things. Come on! I mean, I mean, think about well, I, those of you who grew up in church. Let me see them pause. We got, we got several people. You guys know what is expected of you when you come to church. But what about out there? This is something that the Lord like really pressed upon my heart this morning. He said, Josh, I said, yes, Lord. I knew I was going to hear something. He said, Josh, he said, are you willing to as, be as bold out there as you are in here? Are you willing to lose your jobs, your friends, your securities? I know a lot of you have, have jobs where you're teachers and your medical care workers. Are you willing to allow the Lord to use you in those moments and for you to be just as strong and bold about your faith out there as you are in here? I mean, how bold are you? Hey, this is a mirror, guys, okay? I'm still preaching myself. How willing are you to, are we, are, how willing are you to be the literal hands and feet of Jesus? And I know it seems appropriate to ask questions like this, but my faith and your faith aren't subject only to the walls of this church. You know, um, and I'm tired of the world saying, guy, I'm tired of the world saying that this is where my faith belongs, and even more, I'm tired of myself believing it. And it's, as I said, it's so easy to preach these things up here. It's so easy to tell you what you need to do or what you don't need to do, but I need to apply this in my life, and I understand it is hard. You know, believing it uh, by not only expressing my joy for the Lord when it is expected of me. I mean, do, you, do you realize that we are called to be strong in our faith? We are called to be strong, and our life should literally shine brighter than any other religion that's out there. You know why? Because it's not a religion. It's, 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 it's the truth. Come on. It's more than a religion. It's more than what we as people could ever conjure up as ourselves. It is the absolute truth. This is why the world hates it so much. Okay, this is why you struggle with your sin so much. This is why you struggle to pick up your Bible daily and say, look, I'm going to spend a couple minutes or, or, or 10 or 15 minutes or maybe, God forbid, an hour in the Word of God. This is why you struggle with it so much. This is why you get that, that, that wake-up call at 2 in the morning and you hear God whispering in your ear, hey, I want to talk to you. And those blankets, man, they just start sucking you in, sucking you in, pulling you in the back of the mattress. Am I right? These are the reasons why. But we are supposed to be bold, as I said before, bold in our faith. And I'm tired of, of looking at myself differently in church than I do out of church. Does this make sense to you? I'm tired of thinking, oh, Jesus, I praise you. I'll stand. I'll give my heart to you. Yes, my life is yours. But once I step out there, it's something completely different. It's like a completely different Joshua. And, Joshua's, and God is like, what, what are you doing? Why did you leave me here? You know, in, 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 the, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 31... That on the day of Pentecost, when they had prayed, the place that they had gathered together was shaken. Okay, literally shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? With what? With boldness. I mean, have we forgotten to be bold? And I'm not, I'm not trying to throw a whole bunch of shade at you guys, but I'm just trying to learn as I am learning that we are called to be bold, just as bold as we are in here, but out there. And I know I keep saying that, but I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is what you need to consistently remind uh, uh, the congregants of today is that we need to be just as bold, you know? You know, my girlfriend Rebecca uh, called me today and she was like, hey, I, I got a coupon for, uh, for uh, some free uh, sun chips. That's your favorite chips, right? 
Sun chips, right? And she was so excited and she could not stop talking about it. And I was like, man, she's so excited. I imagine if I got excited, just, I mean, I love food. I love to eat. But if I got just as excited for my joy in the Lord as to finding a free coupon for some chips. <laughs> Come on. I mean, we, as I said, we, we, we seem to have forgotten that the same power of the Holy Spirit that changed the world The same power of the Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside each and every one of us who claims Christ as Lord. That life-changing, eternity-changing gift that comes from God alone lives within those who have accepted Christ as Lord. I mean, what are we doing with that? And what are we we doing with that? I mean, what point is it to, to, to read a book about how to fly a plane but never getting on? It's the same thing with your Bible. What's the point of calling yourself a Christian and, and, and reading the scriptures and not applying what you learn, not applying that living sacrifice that we're supposed to be um, laying our, our, ourselves down day after day, Sunday after Sunday? How are, we, how are we doing this? How are we showing the Lord that we actually belong to him? Acts 14.3 says, So they, the apostles, remained for a long time, speaking what? boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace granting signs and wonders done by their hands that's beautiful are we receiving I mean how are we receiving what we've been given and are you ready I mean do you guys realize that there is an actual spiritual battle going on right now I mean it's a little freaky you know but there's an actual spiritual battle happening right now I mean how bold are you how sharp are your spiritual weapons how strong is your spiritual armor are you ready for this supernatural and physical war Ephesians 6:12 says we do not wrestle it's not about your enemies it's not about the people that you choose not to get along with because you're a Christian okay it's it's Ephesians 6:12 says if we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic power over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are in a supernatural battle here, people. And I'm tired of talking about how it's just a national problem rather than a spiritual one. I mean, I, I, I love being an American, but it's not about being an American. I mean, when I, when I die and I go to heaven, the Lord's not going to say, were you American? Were you a Christian? No, he's going to say, did you belong to me? Did you know me? You know, I mean, the times that we are living in um, have nothing to do with the canceling of our culture, but the canceling of our faith. Do you realize that? I mean, that if, if uh, of not only the, the separation, but the obliteration, this is the kind of fight we are under, not, where it's not only the separation, but the obliteration of all that is holy and all that is righteous and all that is true. We live in a time where believing in everything is normal. We're believing in everything is normal. Where your kids are being taught that everything is normal and everything is acceptable. Where mor- uh, uh, morality and solid theology has become objectified to an awkward opinion. That's where we are. You know, it's, it, it, it seems like people nowadays are so open-minded that their brains fell out. You know what I mean? And, and it's... Well, I know that sounds funny, but it's so true because we have been taught and our kids are being taught to believe that everything is okay. That, that if, if you identify as this, then that's who you are rather than having the creator of the universe divine you. And are you saying, this is who you are. This is who I made you to be. Let me grow in you in that. Don't try to be fake. Okay. We live in a society where it seems like, like, like Halloween is every day of the year. You just, you just gotta put that mask on. Am I right? Am I right? 
As I said, it has nothing to do with our nationality or patriotism or even our traditions, but about taking away the one thing that can bring true change and repentance and throwing it out the window. This is why our country is so messed up. And I hate to say this, and I, I include myself in this, but that's largely because the people of God have forgotten that they are the people of God. The people of God, the people that choose to hear the word of God. Here, listen to this. You guys are receiving chances right now. I mean, you being here is, is another knock that God is laying on the door of your heart saying, hey, look, take your faith seriously. Take me seriously. Eternity is real. Where are you going to be? This is why you are here. But so many times, I said, as I said, we, we, we tend to uh, objectify and subject ourselves within the walls of the church. I mean, have we forgotten? We've call, we are called to be strong in our faith. We're called to be strong in our faith. We're called to say, look, I don't care if it makes me uncomfortable. I don't care if I look like a doofus, you know, but that the Lord has called me out of darkness into his wondrous light. What am I doing with that? Am I shining the light or am I just showing it off? Am I just only showing it on, on Sundays? Or, or, oh yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian in my faith. I go to church every Sunday. I go to Christian faith fellowship every Sunday. So what? You know, you're supposed to come to church to rejoice over how the Lord has been the church inside of you every other day of the week. Every other day of the week. So we come to church not wanting to just be energized, but to build up and rejoice over how the Lord has used us. Amen. But weak believers complain and then do nothing. Weak believers protest with their gossip. Weak believers are just believers, and we are called to be so much more than that. I mean, we are called to be so much more than that. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, don't just listen to the word of God. You must do what it says. Otherwise, what? You are only fooling who? Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. You're not fooling anybody. The only people, a person we are accountable in this life or at the end of our lives is Jesus. I can't fool him. I mean, he's omnipresent. He knows what's going to happen, and he's here at this moment, and he's here in every moment. Who am I to try to fake like I belong to him on Sunday mornings? Come on. It says, those who hear God's word are, are not supposed to be only hearers, but, but, but doers. Uh, those who pray and prepare and go and change the world by physically allowing the Lord to use them. And it's not just about running off your mouth and screaming at the top of your lungs to see who will listen. Please don't do that. Okay, I mean, I, I'm sure we've seen the, these. I mean, if the Lord calls you to, to, to preach to a certain group of people, you better make sure... It's the Lord calling you. Okay, because if you're just going to go out and, and, and spew whatever comes out of your mouth without the direction of the Lord, then you're just going to look like an idiot. Yep. And I hate to say that, but, it, but it's true. It's true. It, it, but you see, this is why we have to be intentional in our walk and our direction with the Lord. The Bible doesn't say, blessed are you when you're obnoxious for the Lord. <laughs> Come on. True boldness comes from hearing the word of God, listening to what it says, listening to what he wants you to do, and going by his strength and his strength alone to get it done. His strength, okay? I mean, and and it's so easy to mess up. It's so easy. You know how I know that this is the truth? Because it's so easy to screw up. It's so easy to mess up. I mean, I remember a situation a couple of years back where I knew the right thing to do. I knew what was expected of me as a believer, but yet I still chose to push the Lord's example out of my life in order to, in order to willingly disobey. Right? <laughs> I remember a time when I was unpacking after a move and I needed a little liquid encouragement. You know, I just needed Starbucks, okay? Relax. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, I was like, hey, you know what? I forgot. There's a Starbucks down the street. So I go down the street, and as I'm making my way through the Starbucks parking lot, I see this big black Escalade backing up. And it's not just backing up. It's backing up really fast, like towards my, you know, my body, you know? So, so fast that I had to literally jump out of the way to keep this driver from hitting me. Okay? Sounds a little scary. It is. And of course, I did what every young man of God would do. I stomped my foot and I just stared her down. I just looked at this lady and I prayed. I was like, God, let her notice my eyes because these daggers are flying because I almost died, you know? As I said, I stopped down on the street and I stared her down. And I know that she saw me through all of this because she rolled down her window and gave me every name in the book and every reason why it was my fault that I almost hit her with my body. (laughs) And so, you know, the Lord allows us to exercise patience sometimes. So I let her finish her rant. You know, I let her finish her spew over, you know, how it was my fault. Because in the back of my mind, (laughs) I had the most perfect and evil response you could ever give to a middle-aged woman. I waited until she was finished, and I waited, and I said, I am so sorry that you almost hit me with your car, old lady. Oh my, I'll never forget that moment. I pause and am I proud of that moment? No, but I mean, she went, oh, and I did, of course, what every mature Christian young man would do. I ran into the Starbucks and prayed she wouldn't follow. <laughs> and I know that might sound funny, but I still feel bad about that. Because the sad truth is, is that my story, in my story is at that moment, I allowed my weakness to destroy my life. I allowed my flesh to dictate my actions instead of allowing Jesus to use me in that moment. Think about it, church. I mean, how many times as Christians, we've been giving free will, but how many times as Christians do we allow or do we allow the right to live our lives the way we want, overshadow God's calling to die to them? Let me say that again. How many times as Christians, okay, people have been set free, allow, how many times do we allow the right to live our lives the way we want, overshadow God's calling to die to them? And to show the world that you are a Christian and that you are obedient to Christ. And it doesn't matter what your pride says. It doesn't matter what your mind says. It doesn't matter how tough and machismo you are. You know, what really matters is, is, is how you are exemplifying the heart and servanthood of Christ. I mean, to stand, I mean, sorry, the Lord's speaking to my heart here. <laughs> you know, just to, to, to be his hands, his literal hands and feet, and to stand in the gap for those who are veiled by their own sin and depravity in order to see the light and the salvation of Jesus living inside of you. What are we to do with that? I mean, to share the love of Jesus. Uh, and that means uh, letting others know the state of their condition by recognizing the state of yours. Regardless of how uncomfortable or how offensive it may sound, it is our job to preach the same gospel that has also saved us. If somebody was so bold, was so bold to let you know the state of your spiritual condition, then you've got a job to do to let other people know the same. From the young to the old, every generation of believers, we need to grow, we need to know, grow, and then show our faith. Know it, allow it, the, uh, the word of God to be planted in us in order for us to grow and then to show it off. We are meant to be show-offs for the love of Jesus here on this earth. To show the world that the material possessions that the world has to offer mean nothing of eternal value. This means nothing within the time span of eternity. Wake up. The things that we see around us, my really cool kicks, everything that we see around us that we save up for and that we look forward to, all of this means nothing within the time span of eternity. And the love and the salvation that we see. I mean, everybody has a soul. Everybody's going somewhere. That's what should matter. 
And I'm tired of acting sometimes like I, 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 I want something more than I, than, I, than I want Jesus. I value something more than I value my relationship with the Lord. This is something I'm gonna, that I've been desperately trying to get my youth to understand. You know, I mean, to my youth, wherever you're at, and you guys are scattered all around here, let me tell you something right now that might scare you a little bit. might get me a little in trouble, but it's worth saying. And it needs to be said. I don't want any of you to end up in hell because you chose a relationship with the world over a relationship with Jesus. And I hate saying that because I love every one of you and that's my congregation. For those of you who don't know, I'm the youth pastor here. Should have said that in the first place, but, but that's my youth, uh, that's my congregation. And, and as I said, I, I don't want any of you to end up in hell because you chose that the things that this world have to offer, the temporary things, uh, you chose to have a relationship with those things rather than a genuine, eternal relationship with Jesus. That you chose the temporary over the eternal. And yes, hell is real. I know we're living in a time and age where people are wondering if it's real or not. Hell is real. It's a real place where actual people go. Don't ever let anyone tell you, church, that it's just a frame of mind. Let me tell you something else, church. The church... Please, please listen. The Bible is truth. It's truth. It's truth. It was written and spoken by the very hand and mouth of God. It is truth, okay? You can't, you can't change truth. Truth is truth. Either it is truth or it isn't. If there's a little bit of deceit in it, it's not truth. The Bible is truth, okay? And we're living at a time and age where we have more options than truth. That our theology, as I said, is subjectified just to a mere opinion, okay? But, but options um, and feelings do not change. Opinions and feelings do not change what truth is. The inerrancy of Scripture will stand forever regardless of your feelings, emotions, or logic. Think about it, okay? Um, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived today. This is why we're here. The Lord has given you a chance today. The Lord has given you an opportunity today to know this truth. Okay, not just to hear about it, but to know it, to have an actual relationship with you. The worst thing about deception is the one who is being deceived is unaware of their deception. Amen. Point blank, youth, I want to see you again. And I know I have Jesus in my heart. And I want you to have Jesus in your heart. It sounds simple, but that's love. That's the gospel of knowing Christ and making him know. As I said, I want to see you again. We have lost two beautiful youth unexpectedly over the last few months. Last week, we had a memorial service for one of them. Pastor Dave quoted Psalm 23, the Psalm of David. You know, it's a very popular set of scriptures, but it's the Psalm of David who knew where to turn when his turn world upside, uh, turned upside down, either by his hand or the hand of his enemies. He knew where his protection lied, where his comfort lied, where his salvation lied. And it's right here, guys. It's in the Bible. Rest in this. Believe in this. It has been proven over and over for thousands of years. It can be trusted, guys. The Word of God is exactly that. The Word of God. The Word of God. It's there to help you. It's God's manual for life. God's Word is there to make you strong. To make you strong in all of your seasons. It it makes you strong enough to admit your weaknesses. To say that whatever season that you find it, either good or bad, either mountain or valley, whatever season you find yourself in, that the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. To proclaim, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For your rod and your staff, 
they comfort me. That's beautiful. Question, is a rod or a staff a good thing or a bad thing? Depends on whether or not you're a wolf or a sheep. Come on. Come on. So how do we respond to this, though? I mean, as a believer and as a Christian, think about this. I, I want us to apply some action steps early here this morning. As a believer and as a, uh, as, as a Christian, how do you respond when the light-hearted things happen, like the story of me and the lady in the Starbucks, or, or when tragedy hits unexpectedly? How do you respond when the good things and the bad things happen unexpectedly? Well, when you as a Christian see others going through hell and the enemy's not just knocking at the door but literally kicking the door down, demand yourselves to love. Put yourselves and your wants and your desires aside and just be there. Just be there. You don't have to say anything. Just be there. Allow the Holy Spirit to use you in the moment to love uh, with your action those around you because you just don't know. You just don't know. Nobody's promised tomorrow. And not just ears and voices, but participants in God's work. Participants in the greatest ministry God has ever created, the expansion of his heavenly kingdom. That's why we're here, guys. Frankly, we as believers are never allowed to be self-centered people. hate to break that to you, but once you receive Christ in your heart, you're a servant forever. I like that Bob Dylan song, everybody has to serve somebody. You're either going to serve the devil or you're going to serve the Lord. But once you proclaim Christ as Lord, you proclaim Christ, Christ as Lord. And this needs to be exemplified from both your friends to your enemies. Remember, when Jesus was dying on the cross, you were on his mind, yes, but so was everyone around you. So was everyone around you. So were your enemies. So were the people that we choose to outcast, the people that we choose not to understand. Those people that we, we kind of move uh, uh, to the side from when, we, when we're walking to Walmart and when we see in a street corner. I'm being serious, guys. You know, well, I mean, they were created in the image of God. I mean, who are we to deny them their, their humanity? Who are, them, who are we to deny them the God-given gift that is them? Who are we to deny the same salvation that was given to us and to allow them to have that opportunity? And as I said, this, is, this goes from our friends to our enemies. We are called to be the hands and to be the feet of Jesus. You know, like the woman in the, in the book uh, of John chapter 8 who was caught in the middle of the act of adultery. The Bible says, you know this story, right? The Bible says that she was caught in the middle of the act, okay? In the middle of the act. How embarrassing must have that been? In the middle of the act and brought before Jesus. Get a good picture here, people. I'm not trying to, to, to alter your minds or anything, but get, get a good picture of this. So this is not just a, a good old Bible story, but this is truth of something that actually happened, that the Word of God has, or that the Lord allowed to be a part of, of, of the Jesus story to teach us something. So this woman was caught in the middle of the act. More than likely, get a good picture here, people. More than likely, she was dragged, unclothed, dirty from the streets, littered with trash and feces, and spat upon and humiliated by the ruthless religious crowd. Think about that. Humiliated and scared, she was tossed like a rag doll before the Lord, like a nothing. The Bible says in John 8, verses 3 through 6, that they stood her in plain sight of everyone, and said, teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. 
Moses said in the law to give orders to stone such persons. What do you say? That's rough. Jesus is in a tough spot. Imagine this woman, this nothing in the eyes of the crowd, looking up at Jesus, this popular, influential leader, hopeless, helpless, waiting for the final word to allow the rocks and stones to start falling, bludgeoning her to death. Jesus, all he had to do is give one word, stone. And that would have been it. But listen to what Jesus does, church. Listen to what he does. Okay, not just with your ears, but allow the Holy Spirit to move in you today. Listen to what he does. Verse 6 through 11, it says, Jesus bent down and wrote his finger in the dirt. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up. So Jesus took some time to step back and to think about the situation and allow the Lord to use him in that situation. And he said, The sinless one among you, go first and throw the stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. The sinless one among you, the one who has never done anything wrong before the eyes of Almighty God and his people, the sinless one among you. I'm a big sinner. (laughs) You know, and I sin all of the time. And one thing I love about the Lord is that that he knows that I'm going to sin. And he knows um, where I'm going to go. He knows of my shortcomings. But he still loves me. And he's still there for me. So he's saying the sinless one among you, the one who goes to church every Sunday, never gossips, never slanders, never throws a finger in the middle of traffic, never tries to broadcast the sins of another to cover up their own. Let he who has never sinned is an entire life cast the first stone. Verse 9, it says, hearing that, they walked away, one after another, beginning with the eldest. Even the eldest. The ones with the most experience in their lives could not handle the sin of their own sins being exposed, but were yet so ready to condemn someone else's. The Bible says, and the woman was left alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her. I love that. Everybody backed off when they realized, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just as much a sinner, and I can't stand my sins being exposed. Yet I'm so willing to say, oh, Lord, pray for brother so-and-so who sleeps around, or I pray for sister so-and-so who, you know, does all of these things. We're so, especially in, in, in our prayer requests sometimes, but God doesn't do that. God's saying, look at you. Worry about your own life. Let me purify your life, and let me worry about their life, because their lives, if they belong to me, they belong to me. And Jesus spoke up, or sat up and spoke to her. I can see Jesus, as I said, as the crowds were leaving, walking up to this woman, possibly taking off his robe to cover her, to restore her, to respect her, saying, my child, woman, where are they? Where are your accusers? Does no one condemn you? No one, Master, she replied, still shocked, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, then neither do I, says Jesus. Now go on your way. And from now on, sin no more. This church is how you get people's attention. By bending down, if necessary, to their level, to where they are in life, and loving them personally. Amen, to putting your sides and, 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 and what you want to do and your intentions, putting those things to the side, and just loving and being there for the person as the Lord is for us. 
And the Lord is saying, look, I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to screw up. I know you're going to screw up today. Are you screwed up yesterday? You're going to screw up today and you're going to screw up tomorrow. Let us work on this. We have a relationship with the Lord. Why don't we have the same kind of loving personal relationship that Jesus gives to us to others? And this is something that (laughs) I'm really trying to get my youth to understand. But if I desire for them to stand or for them to understand that there is a God who loves them and who wants the best for them, then I need to do my part and my best and trying my best to understand them. To understand them. <clears throat> and if one of my youth is going through a hard time and having a bad day and they're expressing this to me with colorful language, if I'm more concerned about what they are saying, or with how they are saying something, than what they're really saying, then I'm the one with the bigger problem something that I want my youth to understand is that guys we're, we're here to strengthen our relationship with the Lord that's why we're here yes we're supposed to have a, a good time but man if, if, if we don't know something or we don't feel stronger in our relationship with the Lord by the time we leave then, then we've lost a Wednesday you know if we're so focused on how we can have a good time and how we can invite our friends so they can have a good time without them knowing the love of Jesus then we've wasted a Wednesday and that's the last thing I want to do And I think sometimes, like in this story, many times we find ourselves on both sides of the spectrum, on the condemning side and the side of the condemned. We've all been there. But God, I love that. But God is still there in the middle of both circumstances conveying the same message, the same response. And that message is to look beyond the heart of the sin Look beyond the sin and into the heart of the sinner. Look beyond the sin into the heart of the sinner. To know each individual person you come in contact with, with the overflowing, unbiased, unifying message of salvation and restoration. A message that goes beyond prejudice, beyond prejudice, beyond injustice, beyond religion, beyond fear into a world that so desperately needs God's people and God's children to move beyond the walls of the church and become the living embodiment of grace, truth, and understanding. We need to be real. It has to be so much more than proclaiming it. We need to live it through our actions, through our pores, so that our world may see, so that our kids may see, so that our friends and enemy may see that there is something different and that something that is found in us is our purpose, is their purpose. As I said before, John 1.7 says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If we walk in the light, not just tell people about the light, not just say, hey, look, the light's over there, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from all iniquities. Walk in that light. And if that light calls you into some unsketchy, uncomfortable places, then so be it. I mean, dare to show Jesus to whomever, whenever. This is our job. You know, dare to show a dying world, hey, if you're poor, I love you. If you're rich, I love you. If you're a Republican, I love you. If you're Democrat, I love you. If you're gay, I love you. If you're straight, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And my Savior has died to make you better. My Savior has died to make you family. My Savior has died to make you known. This is our purpose, guys to allow people to grow as we've been growing. And if we claim to follow the the, the greatest truth, which is in the Bible, if we claim to follow this and obey it, then our lives will change. And the lives of our friends will change. If the, the, The Lord said that his word will never come back void. Believe it here, people. 
And if you are knowing yourself, if you do know what you're doing, <laughs> don't take advantage of it. Don't allow, or use your power to make others known, to build them up, to build them up genuinely, not just to do it because it makes you feel better, to build each other up and believe in each other. Don't let your insecurities become your di- downfall. Pride is just insecure. It really is. And most importantly, to let your life and let your life reflect the image of a God who gave of himself completely in order to give you a second chance. Let your life shine and reflect the image of a God who gave of himself completely in order to give you a second chance. And if you don't know this love, if you're unfamiliar with what I'm saying, please, I invite you, please, I beg you, to know your spiritual purpose today. I invite you to come to the altar and to be made clean. To come into the front and know your eternal purpose. To come and know your Savior. That's why we're here. This is our job as Christians. And I'm tired of being a self-centered Christian. I'm tired of just being saved and not doing anything with my salvation. I'm tired of taking advantage of what Jesus did for me on the cross by doing nothing. Before we end our time here today I know it was kind of quick <laughs> I talk too fast sometimes um, I want you guys to think about something do you guys remember uh, the fires uh, that engulfed the Notre Dame Cathedral yeah. you guys remember when this happened do you remember the love and the resources that were given from all over the world to restore its foundation and its beauty I mean, people gave. All over the world, people gave. People felt compassion and love for this beloved cathedral, and they gave. Well, look around you. We are all Notre Dame. We are all burning. And can you lift up those who are in the ashes of their own despair, or will you just sit there and warm yourselves by their torment? We have a job to do. Love as you have been loved. Know as you have been known. And more, most importantly, stand. Stand for your faith. Stand for Jesus. It doesn't matter the hills or the circumstances. If I know, if I love my, my and I feel like the Lord is telling me to say this, if, if I love my family so much, and yet I don't tell them about Jesus, this is the only life I ever get to see them in. And I want to know my friends again. I want to see my friends. I want to see my youth who pass. You know, I want to see you guys again. And I want to give you that opportunity because it's my purpose to, to present this to you just as it is, it is your purpose to present the message of salvation to those around you. From your enemies to the cashiers at Walmart. Amen. This is our job. Amen. And to most importantly, stand. To stand for your faith. To stand for Christ. It's why we're here. It's why you're here. I got to tell you, church, that I'm learning. I might be a semi-young man, but I'm learning that, and I thank God that I'm learning this, that that the Lord loves me and, and, and the state of my sin and how it snowballs and something bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, um, I'm tired of breaking God's heart. I'm tired of not being strong enough in my relationship with the Lord by taking, not taking care of my body, by not taking care of my neighbors, by not taking care of my enemies. 
by not taking care of my friends? How bold are you, church? Are you willing to stand? Are you willing to say, Lord, you, you, you hung for me on a cross. You died for me in front of everyone. I'm going to be willing to live for you in front of everyone. And as I said, it's easy to say, but so much harder to preach or to live by. But it's not our job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to give us the strength to go out. Do you believe in that? Are you willing to stand for your faith? Are you willing to be just as comfortable, as I said before, as you are in here, but out there? Are you willing to be just as excited with your arms raised and your hands proclaiming that God is my Savior? I'm so grateful for it. Are you willing to have that same kind of excitement out there when you're having a bad day, when you're having a good day? I beg you guys, please, I want to see you again. And all we can do is, is, is allow God to plant those seeds and pray that he moves in the heart of those who we speak to. And I want to be like that. I want to be bold. I want to be willing to stand out for my faith. Regardless if it's uncomfortable, regardless if it gets me fired, regardless if it causes me to be jailed, my faith should be the number one most important thing. I want my faith to be like that. I want my relationship with Jesus to be secondary to none. What about you guys? Are you willing to stand? Are you willing to literally stand? Not with your mouth, but literally stand. Stand in your faith. Stand in your relationship with Jesus. To stand boldly, willingly, saying, like, there's a lost world out there. What am I doing to show this world the truth? If we claim to have the, the ultimate truth inside of us, what are we doing to show the world that, that we have that? It's so easy to say, but, but I want to stand. And I want to be just as strong as the Lord was when he took, when he took himself out of the heavenly realm and, and, and gave himself a, a servant's body in order for me to follow that same example. So are you willing to stand? Well, come on. Stand up. Stand up. Seriously. Stand up from where you are. Stand up from where you are and realizing that, that, that as you're standing right now, as you're proclaiming, as your hands are raised, as, as, as we're focusing on how much God loves us, that this is how bold we need to be out there. We're going to EG's after this, and I'm really excited about that because I love EG's, but two, it's, it's an opportunity that if the Lord gives me life from here to there, it's an opportunity to share Jesus with, with who's ever at the counter and to those around me. You know, when I go to Walmart after this, when I'm, when I'm talking and having a, a, a good and loving, growing relationship with Rebecca, you know, these are opportunities. Are you willing to be just as bold as you are in here out there? If we can get the lyrics uh, or the chorus to the, the last song that we sang, I want us to sing this together. You know, it might feel a little awkward, but who cares? You know? Who cares if it feels awkward? The Lord, I mean, when he, when he uh, carried his cross all the way to Calvary, it was tough, okay? And it hurt, but he still chose to stand. He still chose to walk that way because he loves us, regardless of how awkward, uncomfortable um, that might have been. So you stand with me and sing this. Do you, are the words on the screens? Well, here we go. <laughs> so sing this with me. Sing. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am is yours. One more time. 
So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in awe of the one who gave it all. I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am is yours. All I am is yours. Holy God, Jesus, Jesus, you are king. You are king in and outside of our political preferences. You are king in and outside of our patriotism. You are king in and outside of our church walls. Jesus, you are king above everything and everyone. And yet you still choose to know us individually and personally. Not just because you are God and because you can, but because you want to, because you desire to. May we desire to do the same. Give us your strength, Lord. Give us your strength to be bold, to be strong, to stand. Give us your strength to shut the mouths of lions or give us the strength to withstand their bite. Let every moment given to us be an opportunity to show your great love and mercy. May we love as we have been loved, serve as we have been served. And because every life matters to you, every life, it should matter to us just as much. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, church, that you got a job to do, that you are loved and valued and purposed to do amazing things for the Lord. Now get out there and bless God. Have a good Sunday.